And then there's Mitsugi <laughs> sitting in the center of the of the auditorium. And what happens when this movie ends? I fall to my knees and I look up to the sky and I say, "Thank God this movie's over." <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Grow slowly from the anime Toadu Kagaku no Railgun S by the artist Yuka Iguchi. And this is episode 182 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, where our sole mission is to make your anime addiction worse. Wow, that Ooh, was, that was beautiful. <laughs> I've got a theory that it's a podcast. We have a theory that it's a podcast. Okay, I'm gonna put a stop to that. You can find us at our You can find us at our website, www.aaapodcast.com. We're also on iTunes, so come subscribe there so you can get all of our new episodes as they are released. And of course, Twitter and Facebook where we post pictures from Japan all the time. So you can see what's going on. And live every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Ustream.tv. So come check us out there. I am your host, Mitsugi, and joining me are three lovely co-hosts. Chiaki, say hello. Hi. Cram, sitting with us as well. What's up, y'all? And from the land of Florida, this mythical place, (laughs) Kimiko. Say hello, Kimiko. Hi, everybody. Kimiko, I love you. I love you more. Yay, Kimiko love. <laughs> we have a jam-packed episode for you today. So jam-packed that I don't know how we're going to fit it all in. But starting us off, we have a five-star review that I'd like to read that was left for us on iTunes, so thank you very much. From Oni Andy. Oni Andy writes, I have been listening to you guys for well over a year. Your podcast rekindled my love for anime and made my anime addiction stronger than it was before. Well, I guess our mission statement's working. <laughs> because of your podcast, I now listen to many different podcasts, and all of them recommended by you during your news segments. I both love and hate you before, uh, <laughs> because you are living in Japan, living the dream. Keep doing what you're doing. Oni Andy. 
Well, thank you very much. Thank you. That's very nice. We That's hate so you touching. too. Oh, I mean, love you. <laughs> Yay! So just a quick reminder, we have two new segments that we're going to be doing sporadically on the show, and they can both be contributed to but from the, by the listeners by clicking on the mailbag button on the website. The two segments are Chiaki's mail... What, what are we calling it? My bag of love. Chiaki's bag of love, <laughs> where you ask for dating advice, which is <gasps> always entertaining for people. And awesome. And the good, the bad, and the moe, which is my new segment... You can contribute to both of these separately by clicking on the mailbag button on the top page of the site. And we will be having one of these later in the show. So, stay tuned for that. So recently, we held a poll on the front page of the website to discuss where people thought we should move to our live broadcast. And 70% of the people that voted said YouTube. But in order to do that, we have to purge most of the, most of the licensed material from the episodes. So, we would like to hold a contest where people can basically write an official Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast theme song for the show. And record it. And we, we would use this episode we would use this song at the beginning of every episode and would give credits to the creator of the of the song. And I currently have a post on the on the forum that sort of discusses the criteria for the for the uh, theme song and I'll just quickly brush through them right here. It can either include or not include lyrics. If you do include lyrics, please include two versions, one with one with and one without the lyrics. So we could, you know, use a karaoke version if we wanted to. Yeah. Professional high-quality audio file. Theme songs should not include any licensed material. Yeah. I'm more than happy to, to plug a website and your name at the end of the show. You know, uh, music, mu- music performed and written by, you know, so-and-so. So, but the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast is looking for a theme song so we can branch out to better places to stream our material for you guys live. So we are graced with new forum members this week. Welcome, Dalamares, Stereotypical Cat, Maka Chop 14, Edible Muffin, mm. and Sergeant Sarcasm. Nice. Wow. I like Edible Muffin. I, I got to take Stereotypical Cat because I'm a cat person. Yeah. Sergeant Sarcasm for me. Isn't Maka Chop like a Pokemon? I think you're thinking of Machop. Machop? It's well, close. in Soul Eater, in Soul right? Eater, Maka has the actual Maka Chop. Oh, Maka Chop. Oh, well, thank you for that. You're welcome, welcome. welcome to the forum. I hope we uh, have some interesting comments from all of you. Also, we had trivia. Yay, Chiaki, for doing the trivia this week. Yay. You did it. <laughs> Good job. Well, actually, I did it. Anyway, <laughs> the trivia answer <laughs> this week was uh, Angel Sanctuary. And we had 14 correct answers. Aztrap, Dino Animosaurus, DV8 Tornami, Untamed Ryu, Manly Mudkip, Coolmanio Zen 1, Koopa Kai, Ray G, Leave It to Me, Icy Rose, Astrophysics, and Is No Try. So. Next month's theme is going to be Panty Shots. Oh my yeah. god! You what, you what? have to admit that you know these panties if you want to get entered <laughs> into the. If trivia. you want to win, if you want to win, you gotta admit how much of a pervert you are. Yep. So. Easy, Spe- easy peasy. Speaking of winning, the winner for the week is Takiora seventy seven. So, congratulations there, and also the winner for the month is Dino Animosaurus. So, congratulations to you. You have been contacted on the forum already to receive your glorious prize. Rar. We have 
a lot of figures we on do. this podcasting table today. Do you want? Do you want to? You want to blow our load all at once, or you just want to? Uh, I had intended to do the. Ones I mean, they're I all out here. The live, the people in the live stream can see them, so yeah. we might as well. Well, a couple episodes ago, I only brought one of these. The rest are are belong to these two. So a couple episodes ago, we had mentioned our favorite Pokemon, and so I was at a shop and I happened to find all of the favorite Pokemon we mentioned. And in case you don't remember, Cram's favorite Pokemon was Snorlax. So. There is a little Snorlax. He's right here. here. He's so cute. He looks very. I love him. Morbidly obese and is. He's my friend. <laughs> he's my friend. And I think he's scratching his ass too. He actually. is. He is. He's got an ass itch. <laughs> and Good of, for him. And of course, Good. my Pokemon, uh, Rafudacia, also known as Vileplume, which no one likes, but I like Vileplume. It's a it's a very smelly flower. This so. this is a, a a Pikachu that's not. It doesn't look like these. These are like finger puppets. Is that a Minecraft Pikachu? No, it's an 8-bit, like 3D 8-bit Pikachu that I got from the Tokyo Pokemon Center. And it's totally awesome. Oh, my God. But there there are other figures that are new. Wait, wh- what wh- are we, these? We didn't actually mention Chiaki's favorite. Oh, that's right. It's not up there. I could not find a Charizard, so we had to settle for a very cute Charmander. So... Nah. Hey, funny true story. When I first got Pokemon, when I was a kid, I got Red Version, and uh, I knew too. that you could uh, you could nickname your Pokemon. I uh, got a Charmander, and I named it Firebutt. You should be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I, I got halfway through the game, and I was like, man, I wish I hadn't named him Firebutt. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I restarted the game. <laughs> Speaking of butts, Chiaki's looking for panty pictures here, and there's just, like, asses all over her computer screen. It's very distracting. <laughs> I like big so, there, there are a couple more figures out here, and I don't, I can't tell what they are from behind. So, Chiaki got two new figures, adding to my penguin drum family. I got a regular Himati holding a penguin with her hat, but she hasn't turned into the Princess of Crystal. Now we have two Himatis. Oh, good lord! One is the Princess of Crystal. They're different. What is this? The Hotter He Susan Mia movie? Right, right. They're <laughs> different. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We need three more Himatis, and then we can be the Hotter the Hotter He Susan Mia movie. She's wearing different things. They're clearly different. And then I got a Ringo because Ringo's cute. Oh well, how interesting. Congratulations and to Bobots you. Bobots go in the chat, asked how much are those. I got them as a set of two for 17 U.S. dollars. The Pokemon were $1 each. High five to Cram. Yeah. I don't know why I'm high-fiving you, but it felt like it. So we have mailbag questions, so of course we're going to get to those right now. And uh, who would like to read the first mailbag question? They're Not both, me. They're both from the same person. <laughs> oh, well, how about Kimiko? Why don't you read the first one? Okie dokie. So, Mitsugi. You recently, very correctly, stated that anime adaptations of video games stink. <laughs> Coincidentally, I heard another anime podcast state that not only is Virtua Fighter a good anime adaptation, but it is the best video game adaptation. Thoughts? P.S. Power Stone. <laughs> Power Stone? I don't get P.S. It. Power Stone. I'm going to end every email I ever send for the rest <laughs> of my life. P.S. Power Stone. So, I haven't seen the Virtua Fighter anime and after doing five seconds of research I learned that it was like 40 episodes long so like well I was if it was like a three episode OVA I was gonna take the the hour and watch it but there's no way in hell I'm gonna watch 40 episodes of anime for a mailbag question no offense but I did watch the first episode and I must say it was awful oh well that's it consisted of I I don't even know the characters names I think his name's Akira 
Akira going to some new city, which was like called like Virtual City or something stupid. And he, the whole episode was him trying to eat 50 plates of gyoza in one hour so that he could <laughs> get the gyoza for free. And then while he was eating them, this chick comes in and is having a fight with like the mob, and he has to eat the gyoza while he's like dodging fists and shit. It was really stupid. So if that's what the whole anime is like, I'd say that other podcast is wrong. Okay, so the other, so the next mailbag question is uh, also from Yotaru Vegeta, and he writes, "Does Gundo Musashi have the worst, or in quotes, he writes borst? <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means. Borst. borst opening song ever." And so as an extra service to the podcast listeners, I went ahead and downloaded this song so you could actually witness how bad it is. So, let's... I love how you say service. So prepare to lose your brain cells, and here it comes. Enjoy this. It's quite special. They actually say, I'm Ghost of Busters at one point. <laughs> you, listen, you listen, you'll hear it, and break, and break a your face. Oh my! This is almost as bad as this is. No, this is worse than the than, than the music in Shinkai's new film. You know well, what? But it's close. You know what? We're not there yet. So just back back the the mother. Mitsuki, you are throwing punches early. So I will say that this is either the worst or the best theme song ever, depending on who you are. <laughs> oh, here, wait, here it comes again. Viewers are dropping like flies. Actually, we gained two more since I started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. So what you're saying is, is that we should play it on loop forever. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I indulged you. It's fine. So just a quick reminder before we head into the news break: we are now broadcasting our shows live at Saturday night, 9:30 p.m. EST, because our schedules over here are crazy. And so if you want to listen to us now, you must do it at 9.30 p.m. EST on Saturdays. So Get over it. But there's about, there's almost 30 of you in the chat that are uh, finding the time, so I appreciate that. We have a, uh, a jam-packed episode for you today. We are going to discuss a list of the most disappointing anime of all time. We're calling it a top ten, but really it's more like a list. And then we're going to go into another news break, and when we come back... We're going to have our first ever segment of The Good, The Bad, and The Moe, followed by a horrendously violent argument over the new Shinkai film, Kotonoha no Niwa. So stay tuned, and we will be back shortly with that.
slice of life anime fans out there, this is Chiaki and this is your anime news break. First up, we've been talking about Anime Souls, the anime crowdfunding site specifically dedicated to a more retro side of anime. We talked with its creator not too long ago and tried to drum up some excitement for the project. Well, they're doing a pretty good job drumming up excitement on their own as they have be announced that they will be giving away a free trip to Japan to one winner who registers on the website by July 3rd. The prize will also conclu- include exclusive studio tours for that lucky winner while they're in Japan. As mentioned, Anime co- Souls consists of member companies that are all across the board and very impressive in names, so studio tours will be something that would be a once-in-a-lifetime chance. The winner will be announced at the Anime Souls panel at Anime Expo on July 6, 2013 at 3pm. In some Pokemon news, writer Hidenori Kuska and artist Sateyoshi Yamamoto has en- have ended their Pokemon Black and White manga in the August issue of Shogakkan's monthly Koro Koro Ichiban magazine this past week. The magazine's website posted a preview of the final chapter, which has over 30 pages. But, without missing a beat, Yamamoto drew the start of the next Pokemon manga project, which will appear in the 31st issue of Shogakukan's Pokemon Fan Magazine on July 1st. Also, the Pokemon Black and White manga's next three book volumes will come out monthly between June 28th and August, so don't worry. Pokemon isn't going anywhere. In other news, speaking of the North American convention scene, Otakon has recently announced that prolific voice actor and singer Tomokazu Seki will attend the August convention in Maryland as a guest of honor. He has incredible credits to his name, including voiced Toya Kinomoto in Cardcaptor Sakura, Hiromu Shinbo in Showbits, Vaughn in Escaflone, Toji in Evangelion, Archer Gilgamesh in Fate Zero and Fate Stay Night, Kyo in Fruits Basket, Sosuke in Full Metal Panic, Chichiri in Fushigi Yugi, Domon in Mobile Fighter G Gundam, and oh my god, so many more things. So there is something that this man has voiced that you love. I can nearly guarantee it. So if you're headed out to Otakon, you best be checking when he's going to have his autographing panels. In other news, Viz Media has recently posted an interview with Kylie at the Neon Alley Lounge. At the end of it, a sizzle reel revealed that the Tiger and Bunny the movie, the beginning film, will stream on the company's Neon Alley service. The film opened in Japan in 2012, and as a reminder, all Neon Alley shows are shown uncut with an English dub. This was Chiaki, and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Hey, Steve Bloom here, voice of Spike Spiegel, Vincent Valentine, Lee Ron from Gurren Lagan, and I am a total anime addict, dude. <laughs> Tune in, or else. back 
with the 182nd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. We are jam-packed today. We have a great show, so we hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to get started off with a list of some of the anime that we think are the most disappointing of all time, and making a top 10 list is always very difficult because no one ever agrees with you, as YouTube has taught us over the years. So we basically just put together some disappointing ones and gave them the order that we thought was correct. Given that there's 5,800 animes or something ridiculous, it's kind of hard to actually say which 10 of them were are the most disappointing. So. But for me, for me, when I was making my contributions to this list, it, for me it was a lot of, was there a prior anime that was really good, and so the sequel would also be assumed to be good, but it ended up being bad? Or was is the director prolific, and you know you expect something great, and then you get something that's not so good? I think another thing that surrounds this topic is the hype. A lot of shows will have a lot of hype and everyone will tell you, oh, this show is awesome, and then you watch it and you're like, did, did we watch the same thing? Did we? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really sure about that. Or maybe not everyone, but the initial like 40 people who watch it are like, this is the best thing ever, and you're like, oh my god, I gotta watch this, and then you watch it and, and no. I, I, mm. I, I actually... I mean, so take this as more of as just a list of general, you know, disappointing anime, but I actually do agree with the first one on the list, number one. So, look forward to that. The rest of them I think you can kind of swap, swap, swap around, but... So, disappointing anime, number ten on the list. I didn't watch this one, so go ahead, Chiaki. This one is one of the ones that I put on there, um, Ungo, and... Ungo I I put on this list because I really went into watching this anime expecting it to have a lot of great mystery. I read things that people were excited because of the manga and the staff involved and the writer and so on and so on and so on. But plus it was during a time when there were a lot of mysteries or mystery-esque anime coming out. Kind of um, all those kind of go sick and um i'm forgetting the name of the other one but it's another library one where the girls in the library and then there was another one that obviously these animes made a huge impression on me by the fact that i can't remember their names even but i remember enjoying (laughs) them and so to watch ungo was an utter disappointment because anything that it had promised to deliver on Yes, thank you, Kron, in the chat. Dentalia and Oshoka. Wonderful. But either way, Ungo, whatever it promised to deliver on, be it a deep message or mystery or anything like that, it ended up just getting lost in these weird hijinks with this boy-girl supernatural transformation thing, creature, and it just was disappointing. I expected so much more from it and got so little. Okay, so number 10 on the list, I have the new Initial D, fifth stage. Initial D is a long-running anime series that started back in the late 90s, early 2000s, spun off a a long list of arcade games that were very popular. In fact, there's there's even the newest one out in Japan right now is the Initial D, fourth stage arcade game. But because the fourth stage was so good, and they... Between the first and the fourth stage, the animes just became gradually better and better. We 
I expected the fifth stage to also be excellent. The fourth stage did a great job of building up the hype for the races. The races generally looked amazing because the, the budget was high and they had a long um, list of amazing scenes in the races that were really exciting. But this fifth stage that, that is airing, that aired recently in the last couple months, just really lacked the hype and the excitement that the uh, that that the last season offered, and I know that there was a nine-year gap between the fourth and the fifth stage, but you just didn't get the same kind of build-up and anticipation for the races. They they just they bring them out too quickly. It's back to back to back to back, and you know you never really get to have that anticipation. And then once the races start, they're very straightforward and just not that interesting. So for those of, and I know that Initial D has a large following, and so for those of us that like Initial D, like myself, I found the fifth stage to be actually quite boring. So very disappointing for me. All right, coming in at number eight is another one that I added onto this list, and this one I I sincerely hope that there's very little argument for because. If someone's arguing this, that means you actually liked this show? Some of the characters were hot. Yeah, okay, that's the best thing I could say about it. And it is the Sacred Blacksmith. This, the concept is a love letter to fantasy fans, and I'm a huge fantasy fan, and I was ready to give it a lot of leeway to because I love the fantasy genre. It's, you know, girl who wants to become a knight. She's working to defend her town. There's the handsome, aloof, chip-on-his-shoulder blacksmith who has something to prove, and then there's the magic sword and, and oncoming conflict and so on and so forth. And they just weighed it down with all kinds of crap that wasn't important and that didn't help the series at all, not to mention it had one of the flimsiest stories that you could have ever really hoped for. So, and any show that makes boobs jiggle in plate armor really just loses it. <laughs> You're trying really hard. You're trying very, very hard to ruin your show. And, and that, for me, I was hoping for something... I won't say I was hoping for Lotus War, but I was hoping for something that was really fantasy and, and maybe a little cliche, but cliche in a fantasy way, not in a I'm-gonna-show-you-panties way. So, that was really disappointing. This next anime, I think, could ar arguably be higher on the list. We have it at number seven, but I was grossly disappointed by this one, and really, really wanted to be it to be great because it it, it had an, it had a concept and idea that I don't think had been done before. And looking back on it, it might be a little bit tasteless, considering the recent events that happened here in Japan, but. Tokyo Magnitude 8.0, number 7. Tokyo Magnitude 8.0 is a show that came out a few years ago that was about an 8.0 earthquake in the heart of Tokyo, the epicenter. And so you expect to see... I don't know what I expected, but I expected this huge, dramatic catastrophe that really grabbed the viewer because we there aren't very many animes about earthquakes. And maybe that's because it's a sensitive subject here in Japan, but it just wasn't really something that had been done a whole lot before. And I like natural disaster stuff. I always like the movies that come out in Hollywood that are about volcanoes. And I, I liked Dante's Peak. 
I liked the. I even liked the Tommy Lee Jones movie Volcano. You're out of your mind. <laughs> Whatever, man. I like th- that scene. That scene where that guy jumps out of the subway train and just melts in the lava like oh, a pencil and the pencil sharpener. You mean the scene where, where he's saying the Lord's prayer, Lord Lord's prayer, as he's walking along and just slowly melting into the lava? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, scene? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that scene. So, I I expected this to be really great, and the first couple episodes were good because you actually had the the catastrophe happen. You know, you have, like, the Rainbow Bridge collapses. There's, like, buildings collapsing everywhere. And looking back, it's really sensitive because of the recent massive earthquake we had in 2011. Well, they were having... I remember they were having a rerun, actually, of this anime when the massive earthquake happened. And they're like, we're... We're going to stop this rerun now. <laughs> we're, we're not going to air this anymore. So, uh... Yeah. People in the chat are asking, what is the Rainbow Bridge? The Rainbow Bridge is a large bridge that connects that connects, what? <laughs> that connects Tokyo to to uh, to Odaiba Island and at night it's called the Rainbow Bridge because it has rainbow colored lights on it so it looks really beautiful at night right above the, cool. above the water yeah. and it's a, and it's an it's an iconic location in in Tokyo and so of course they had to destroy it, you know. I do they take do they destroy Tokyo Tower also? Oh, they they have uh, to. I think they do. I think it falls down. Yeah, it's pretty intense. But then after maybe the third or fourth episode, the show just sucks. It just sucks. It's basically just eight episodes of the girl trying to walk home through all this rubble, and it's just not not interesting. Really very boring. And um, I thought they could have done a whole lot more with it, and for those of us that have seen that anime, you probably stopped watching it after the fifth episode, but, you know, we have to finish this stuff here because we're a podcast, and whether we suffer or not, that's, you know, that's our plight. <laughs> so number seven is Tokyo Magnitude 8.0. Uh, don't really recommend it. The one good thing I could say about the anime is that they did research on how the structure of buildings would actually collapse if there were an earthquake of that size. So supposedly, the manner in which things like the Rainbow Bridge collapse were accurate to what engineers thought would happen in real life. So I thought that was interesting, but it's not enough to, sh- to save the show. So, oh, these next two are pretty good on the list. Coming in at number six is Umineko no Naku Koroni. Um, and it really is not quite fair when you have something like Higurashi no Naku Koroni to live up to. That's bullshit. What? What? It's bullshit. I don't, I don't oh, agree. Holy crap. I, I'm bitter about this anime. Well, you did have to suffer well, through it. Well, if, if you don't want yourself to be compared to, the, to an anime that came before from the same director... Then maybe you shouldn't make five out of the six words in the title the exact same. Like, of course, if people that watch Higurashi no Naku Koro ni expect something out of an anime called Umineko no Naku Koro ni. Am I wrong? From the same director? I mean, I thought at first when I first when I first saw it come out, I thought it was a sequel. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, like it's going to be directly compared. Well, yeah, but either way, they made their bed and they had to sleep in it with Umineko because it's it's not an absolutely horrible series, but it's incredibly disappointing, especially when you go into it with a Higurashi mindset. You watched more of this one, Mitsugi, so I'll let you take it away. Well, this is one of those anime that basically just it commits, you know, seppuku in, in, in its convolution. It's one of those shows where they 
I can't I can't describe the plot. It's impossible. But they'll kill a character and then the character will be alive again like two episodes later without any explanation whatsoever. And things like that and in addition they just kind of jump back and forth. There's like a chess game going on between two of the characters and they're trying to if I remember correctly, they're trying to either prove or disprove the existence of magic. And so she's like Oh, well, this guy died like this, and so there's magic. And he's like, no, 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 this is what could have happened, blah, blah, blah. And besides being very violent, it was just a show that when I watched it, I felt like I had no idea what was going on. And people people might say, oh, well, maybe you should read a summary or read the manga or whatever. And I say to you, that is not a good argument because if a show... If a show is created, period, it needs to be able to stand on its own. You can't expect the viewer to go consume every single drop of material that a show has to offer. You know what a really good example of this is? Of it done right? Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Because if you yeah. didn't watch the book, you can still... In- or if you didn't watch... If you didn't watch the <laughs> book... If you didn't read the book, you can still enjoy the series. I want to move sense. quickly away from Game of Thrones. <laughs> da, 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 da. So, yeah, Umineko... If the viewer can't gather the plot even at all from watching it, then it's then it fails at delivering its storyline. So I don't I don't I, the viewer shouldn't have to have a PhD in in you know literary theory to understand a story. So and coming out right after Higurashi from the same director. Oh oh, the next one I think yeah. Kimiko shared our pain on this one. So Ooh, oh and so here comes much pain. here here comes the haterade from Facebook and. <laughs> We're gonna get a we're gonna get a one out of five review on iTunes going, how dare you? <laughs> I'm giving you a one out of five because you hated on my favorite show. <laughs> Go ahead, Kimiko. Okay. Um. So, firstly, I want to say I haven't seen all of the original um, How to He Suzumiya anime, but what I have seen was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, and I've seen a couple of the things that came out, like the the little bit parts, you know, like the the little extra episodes or little things that came out after, and those were also like they were between decent and pretty good, but this mostly what I remember about this movie was that it was so long. Um, oh, it's so long. <laughs> it's ever- so long. Well, now everybody knows what what it is. The disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya. The disappointment of Haruhi Suzumiya. <laughs> oh, very nice. Quite. Can I can I just say though, I will whenever I think of the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, I just think of how at the very, very end when it finally ended, Mitsugi just dropped down onto his knees and was like, Thank God <laughs> Yep. I, I remember was, there were a number did, of times I, where I, we looked at each other going, It's over, right? That's that's it? That's it, right? No, that's, no. Oh, so much- Oh, okay. So, what is this, Mozart? What? So, so Mitsugi is sitting in this theater that has, like, 2,500 people in it, and it's full of, like, raging Haruhi Suzumiya fanboys and fangirls <laughs> that, that would literally sit there for 14 hours and wa- watching, you know, the, this movie of, of nightmarish proportions. And at the end of it, they'd still applaud violently and, and uh, you know, and enthusiastically. And then there's Mitsugi sitting <laughs> in the center of the... Of the auditorium, in the middle, and right directly in the middle, with in in the first row and of the second section where there's no seats in front of him. And what happens when this movie ends? I fall to my knees and I look up to the sky and I say, "Thank God, this movie's over." <laughs> <laughs> Christ. 
<laughs> like two hours and 45 minutes or something. It's, I it, thought it, it was. It feels so much longer, though. I think it, it was. Won, at one point in this movie, is there are there not like four kyons? There are. Mm. What in the hell are they thinking? You know I, don't even, I don't even know. They really should test the theory that they can do whatever with this franchise because of the fanboys and girls. And they should do something like, how do you use Mia takes a shit? <laughs> and just have it be an hour hour long OVA of a Hadahuya on the toilet. And while she's on the toilet, she imagines she just daydreams. But That's it always it. goes back to her on the toilet. But yeah, the movie was pretty based on the hype that that movie had, and I think most people except us love it, it was pretty disappointing. And but long. that's why we're here, to hate on things other people love. <laughs> and Damn long. the masses! This is my opinion! <laughs> um, dear Lord, this next one. Y- yes, my son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very nice. So number four on the list is a show that most people probably haven't seen, but many people probably have seen the original, and that is Kite Liberator. Now, I've talked about Kite many times before, and I think we've pretty much I think we've all seen it. Kite is a was a show that came out in two thousand in nineteen ninety eight that was quite good. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but considering it was actually originally a hentai, it's pretty good. Good enough to have a Hollywood movie made after it. So. So, nine years later, you expect that Kite Liberator, the sequel, can also be quite good. And there's a lot of anticipation because of the, 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 the delay. Much like Duke Nukem, this anime sucked. And so, everyone who liked the original Kite and was expecting some badass action scenes, you know, a story about assassins and, you know, something simple that you can just consume as guilty pleasure material was really boring and, and failed to deliver pretty much anything worthwhile. Um, for those of you that have seen Kite and tried to watch Kite Liberator, I think everybody pretty much agrees. So, Am I the only one here that, wa- that watched Kite Liberator? Yep. Yes, you are. It's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, so... I don't have a whole lot more to say about that, other than the fact that there's a Kite movie coming out starring Samuel L. Jackson. What is with Samuel L. Jackson starring in all the anime adaptations? Maybe he really likes anime. Yeah. How <laughs> about that? Maybe he likes money. I can't imagine they're paying. <sighs> Speaking that of Samuel, much. did you see that YouTube video of him doing the monologue from Breaking Bad? It has nothing to do with anime, but it's totally awesome. <laughs> I will look it up. My YouTube recently has just been red wedding reaction videos. In any <laughs> case. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um next on the list, it really Here's what confuses me about n- what comes in at number three. You have awesome source material. You have so much source material that you could pick any arc you want. And I'm talking about the Wolverine source material. This was a Madhouse and Marvel collaboration. And yeah, okay, they learned a bit from their mistakes. And the Iron Man act- anime was actually okay. I won't say it much Didn't the more. other two kind of suck? Well, well, Wolverine was awful. Iron Man was okay. Well, I should know. Yeah, I mean, I'm the one that reviewed it. Right? Was it, it was me. It was, was it you? It was terrible. Oh, I watched some of it. The whole anime was about him trying to rescue this chick 
and it was just like a series of mindless fight scenes. I haven't seen any of them. I heard the X-Men one's the best one of all of them. It is. The Wolverine one is is is, is I wonder if I haven't seen the Blade one, but I am Oh yeah. I'm told the Blade one. one is maybe worse than the Wolverine one. Do you remember the Blade anime series from years and years ago before they did that special? No, but I liked the first Blade movie. I I liked the first two Blade movies oh, quite boy. a lot. Didn't yeah. he go to prison? Yeah, he is in Wesley prison Snipes? right now. I think he's in prison right now. What did he go to prison for? He's still Tax there. Evasion? Was it tax evasion? Jesus, a Hollywood actor went to prison he's for like five years yeah. for anything? Yeah. That's astonishing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just knew this anime was incredibly disappointing. And, like I said, it confuses me why it was so awful because it, you had a great studio. You had great content. You had the original content creators going, go, go, my children, make something with this. And you make crap. Why? Why, why, why? Yeah, I mean, when you have Marvel working with you, and you have something that's so f- well-loved, and there's so much successful source material, you have to wonder, how do you how do you F it up that bad? I mean, you would just... You would think that they would just pick, a, pick one of the most beloved stories from the Marvel Wolverine franchise and adapt it directly into anime, and it would be a hit. But they just produced this horrible pile of shit and I don't know whose fault it is but it was it really, it really lacked any heart you know I just think that western comic books have, a, have obviously have a different sensibility than you know Japanese comic books and Japanese anime and things like that and it's it's hard to adapt those sensibilities into something that's bullshit yeah. crap. Why, why is that bullshit <laughs> but, but they had Marvel helping them with it yeah they but Marvel together. sucks <laughs> See, here's the reason why I say that's bullshit is just because it let's face it, okay, I'm not a comic book person and I know I can get flamed by comic book people. But at their core, at their core, if you were going to make an adaptation, the Marvel and and DC and whatever comic stories are not that complicated. Right. They're not. They're dude dude has dude's from another planet or dude has scientific experiments done on him and dude becomes superhero they're they're not dude dude has a bunch of money and his parents die and he makes a bat cave like they're not yes okay i know there's a lot more to the story but from an adaptation standpoint you have something very very simple that you can just take the simple elements and not worry too much about the more complex elements and and I think that from that perspective, if you're just working with a simple story, to me it's like fan fiction. It's like someone who's saying, I'm going to write a fan fiction, and I know 13-year-olds who could write a better anime adaptation, script, plan, whatever, than than Madhouse and Marvel did. So, I don't know. That's my opinion. I think I think they're just not willing to do it that way. I, I mean, I think that, you know, they're... they're I think Western comic books are so rife with, like, changes and retcon garbage. Like, if you read the Wikipedia page for any one comic book character from the West, like, all it is is a series of bad writing choices and changes that, you know, based on changes, based on changes, based on changes that all had to do with how the comic books were selling at the time about, you know, all this stuff. And... And these characters have so like these these huge huge histories that I feel like all of those weird changes and things that 
that if you look back on all of the different things that have happened to any particular character in any particular series would make for something kind of interesting bringing it over to you know the Japanese storytelling uh, perspective where things can get a little bit convoluted and weird and crazy and it's okay and can actually be good sometimes but instead they're just like no we are going to take the most simple idea and we're going to make something as western as we possibly can but we're going to call it anime and it's going to look kind of like anime and it's going to be disappointing and that's why this is on this list so Okay. What we can all agree on is that this anime is disappointing. <laughs> Got the hell with it. Burn. I'm glad I never saw it. Burn in the hellfire. <laughs> so, number two on this list, I sort of, I mean, I don't personally really agree with the placement, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty bad. And I think it's... I agree with the placement. I, I, I think it's, I think it's on this list for the same reason many of the other ones are, and that's that there are, are a number of prior entries into the franchise that were very successful and arguably even very influential. And that is the Blood franchise, which is, you know, the Blood of the Last Vampire, for example. And Blood Sea, the recent Clamp adaptation of Blood Sea that came out, what was this, last year? Is it really a Clamp adaptation? They just did character designs, right? Hmm... Well, regardless, <laughs> Clamp touched it, so it has to suck. <laughs> Clamp did touch it. I can't argue. Why, that. What does that? Why does that have mean? It has to suck. Clamp has done a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, but they also did Card Captor Sakura and Chobits. This came out like a decade ago. <laughs> I know more they than did. a decade. It was. It was okay. Clamp did write the story along with uh, Nanase Okawa and Junichi Fujisaku with production IG. So Clamp did touch it. Clamp touched it. It was Clamp, Clamp's name is at the top of the billing under written by. I think that means they did more than touch it. So, Blood Sea is just this, as I think I called it in episode 104, it stands for Blood Cake, Blood Cute, Blood Crappy, Blood, blood <laughs> Caffeine, blood, blood Coffee. All she does in this anime is kill something and then go have like tea and coffee at the, at the local coffee shop. I swear, Graham's looking at me like I'm insane. <laughs> Does this? What's is her, is her name still Saya or something it like sure that? Is. Is it sure is. Does she resemble anything like? I mean, is she Why anything don't you like? Google the, it. Is Go she ahead. anything like? No, I mean, like, like character-wise, like, does she act anything like her original form, no. like from the original, like, like dark, short brooding, film? and partially yeah, evil? like barely speaks at all, and like no, just kills not really. indiscriminately. She's 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 your t- she's. She's what you expect from, I don't know, from Clamp. There's a lot of cuteness, like, injected into it, you know? So, just looking at her, just look at her character, I mean, look at her. There you go. Does that look like, does this look like Saya that you know? No. She's, like, smiling gleefully with glasses and hair that looks like if she, like, that that looks like she could fly away with her hair. That's how big her hair is. Oh, my God. So... It's just wow. for those of you that it, th- this was like the death of some people's anime fandom. I'm sure they moed the shit out of her. They did. Oh and shit! For those of you that, lo- that that loved anime and maybe grew up on Blood, The Last Vampire, and some other things like it, this probably was a, was a striking blow to your childhood and your anime fandom because this 
this F's up the Blood franchise big time. No, they also genre clash the shit out of her, too. Oh, of course. Because at the end, and you'll find it if you search on, like, Google, there are a lot of scenes of her looking badass covered in blood. It's but very, very misleading. The, the scenes, the pictures that are her covered in blood on Google probably represent 10% of this show. They did come out with a movie, though, that looked like it had gallons of blood in it, which might have been more appropriate. It's not, even about, it. not even about the blood. I mean, this is one of those typical shows where they saved everything good until the end, and at the end there's, like, people getting their limbs ripped off and shit, and it's pretty violent at the end and pretty... The, the last two episodes are nothing like the first nine episodes. So, but by that time, you, it's, it's, it can't be saved if you've wasted that much time. So, number one on the list is probably the most controversial one we put on the I list. I fully agree with this. I'm so excited and totally agree as well. It's weird because, yeah, it's the most controversial, but I think we all agree. So, just to answer Cram's question real quick, the, the spinoff's called Mobile Suit Gundam Age Memory of Eden. Okay. It's an OVA. comes out and comes out at the end of July. Cool. Graham, you have an announced one, and you're the newest. You probably have the least hate. No, 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 from no, 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 no. I, I want to let Kimiko do it. Oh, Kimiko, okay. Okay. Huh? Will you? Will I, you I, well, I, I mean, Cram, Cram can do it. I don't, I don't mind. Go ahead, Kimiko. Okay. <laughs> uh, but just because I totally and completely and wholeheartedly agree with this being the ultra most disappointment, at least you know that I've felt personally. Um. So. What we consider to be the most disappointing on this list of top ten is Ponyo by Miyazaki. Da, da, <laughs> how 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 dare you say anything bad about Miyazaki? You go burn in hell. Oh my god, all of his films are masterpieces. You're, Every you're, single one. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't like Castle in the Sky. I I like Castle in the Sky. It's a little slow. Yeah, it is a little. It, yeah, the story is kind of shitty. <laughs> hey, it's that's not his fault. <laughs> it's a little. It was fun. a book first. The music's amazing. Oh my god, so much. Joe Hisayashi for the win. But I think one of the biggest things about the reason why we're so disappointed in Ponyo is because we have a certain level of expectation for Miyazaki films. Like we expect masterpieces, as I'm sure most people do. Like we expect to be awestruck and to be blinded by beauty and deafened by wondrous music. And so if it's even mildly below that, it's a disappointment. And Ponyo was probably one of his worst movies. You know what I think is the other thing for me with Ponyo? The characters weren't very good. No, like, no they weren't. I love Miyazaki's characters. Look at look at Kiki's delivery service. And and I'm not mm. talking anything bad on Kiki's. Oh, whoa, whoa, Kiki's whoa, whoa, is a masterpiece. Whoa. You better watch it. <laughs> I already said Kiki's is a masterpiece. What am I watching? Kiki rules. Kiki rules. Yeah. <laughs> Gigi but is the bomb. What I was. I love Gigi. I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that Kiki's delivery service is an incredibly simple story. It's an incredibly simple story. You can summarize the entire story in like four or five sentences. But what makes that movie so amazing, despite the fact of its perfect execution and its simplicity? Is the fact the panties, <laughs> bloomers, panties, bloomers, bloomers. Um, <laughs> is the fact that the characters are amazing. Think of a character you don't like in Kiki's Delivery Service. Think of one. Nope. Well, the the what what was it? The the, the bitch that not... turned away the grandma's pie. Yeah, the one that you're not supposed <laughs> to like. <laughs> okay. 
Like Perfect that bitch can character. go die. <laughs> my favorite character. My my favorite character is the really buff baker that's always like staring down Gigi. <laughs> oh, I love. But I mean, like that's the thing is the characters are amazing, and the characters in Ponyo, I had no attachment to any, any of, of them. them. The, Forgettable. The character I thought was the coolest was uh, what was was his name? Fu- Fujimoto. Fujimoto. Yeah. And he... I had to. The wizard. Mm-hmm. The wizard. And the daddy. I liked. I liked the. Mo- I liked the mother. And the mother too. The but... mother was like, a, I... like a, a, like a, a good example of like a strong female character that wasn't relegated to like her place, like in so many of Miyazaki's other films, which is a totally well, different topic, but. <laughs> These aren't the same reasons why I didn't like the movie. First of all, after House Moving Castle and now Ponyo, I don't have 100% faith in Miyazaki anymore. So oh. when I go see this movie in July, I I expect it to be good, but I'm but I'm not I'm but I'm not sure it will be good. I I have more faith that the new Takahata movie will be good. But I thought Ponyo was not that successful because one, it's not an original story at all. Two, it had a very unbelievable romance that was a major focus of the story I mean I'm sorry I just can't I just can't have faith in a romance that's that that's between five-year-olds and one of them is a fish I just can't do it <laughs> you mean to tell me you never fell deeply in love with a fish also the story <laughs> the story is grossly trivial I mean I, there's no there's no grandiose importance about the story at all and 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 in addition the character, some of the characters, namely Ponyo, are annoying. I don't think I can agree with any of that. Like the reason it's 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 oh, disappointing. Jesus. No, the reason it's disappointing for me <laughs> is because Miyazaki actually made a children's movie. Like, like a, to, Totoro is not really a children's movie. Like, it's got a lot to say about dealing with death. Ponyo has nothing to say. That's what I'm and saying. This story is trivial. Oh right, no. Well, I'm I meant more like thematically. I mean, you're you're trying to knock it for being unoriginal, but like it's it's based on the Little Mermaid, right? I think those are separate things. Kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm knocking it for being unoriginal, and I'm also knocking it for for not for being trivial. In other words, there's nothing. There, it's skin deep. Right. It's not important. Okay. I mean, I see. Um, we expect heavy themes in everything, even children's movies from Miyazaki. I think is what it is. Well, yeah. I mean, especially when you got Pixar. People like Pixar are out there setting the standard for like you know, for kids movies. And yeah. For example, Spirited Away, you can sort of argue is a children's movie, but that movie has perhaps more to say than any of his prior films that he's ever made. I mean, there's an entire, there's an entire, um, like, how do I say it, a a, a research driven book, where a large portion of it is is dedicated specifically to to print to Spirited Away, and. Ponyo just doesn't have any of that. I mean, I wonder if, if there will be another book written if Ponyo will even be included. And so when I watched that movie, I just didn't... It, it didn't feel like Miyazaki. It looked like Miyazaki because, because of the art, but... And it's Ghibli. Right, but I mean, to but, be fair, it's it's not for you or me. Also, the music wasn't particularly good. Uh, A lot of the, people... The it, wasn't, was it wasn't even Joe Hisaishi, was it? Uh, I sure. don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Up. But I, I seem to recall the story... Some of the music being ripped like directly out of classical music. There's that scene where all of the fish are escaping and they're kind of floating up to the surface. He's actually did the music. Oh, I remember wow. thinking that that the song that they play there, if I'm if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, sounded exactly like "Ride of the Valkyrie" from Wagner. Things, <laughs> things like that, where I just I, I I recognize the source of the music and the music. 
Other than the ponyo ponyo little fishy by the sea, blah 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 blah, that that song is the only song I remember, and it's flat out obnoxious. <laughs> so, Cram's looking at me like I'm nuts, but that no, song's it's, annoying. It's cute. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> My students sing it. It's cute. Yeah, well, your students are wrong. <laughs> your students. I'll be are sure like to tell five, them that. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's cute are. when a five-year-old sings it. Yeah. Well, hopefully you at least agree with one or two we had in our sort of top ten list of disappointing anime of what has if, if you haven't seen Ponyo, go ahead and watch it and see, what, see, if, you, see if you don't agree. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's cute. It's good, it's but it's not, it's, not, it's good, but it's not Miyazaki level, so. Anyway, we're going to take another news break, and when we get back, we're going to touch on our new segment that we're introducing to the podcast and also we're going to have a very hate-filled argument about Kokonoha no Niwa perhaps a hate-filled argument so we'll be back in a few minutes so stay tuned you fantasy anime lovers out there this is Chiaki and this is your anime news break first up an event was cancelled here in Japan due to a man wielding a blunt object this just goes to show you how little crime there is in Japan by the fact that an event can get cancelled because of something like this the event was an advanced screaming screening for Cho Jigen game Neptune the animation Hyperdimension Neptuna, the animation, and it happened this past week. During the screening, a man wielding a blunt instrument allegedly disrupted the proceedings. According to audience members, the event was underway when the man interrupted it while brandishing the object. He was quickly subdued and there was reportedly no one injured. Cinema Sunshine Ikebukuro, which was the site of the screening, will issue a statement regarding the incident at a later date. But it just goes to show you the fact that someone brandishing a blunt instrument will get an entire event cancelled here in Japan. There is just no crime here. Speaking of crime, the Russian Federal Service for Supervision of Communications has begun to crack down on hentai. They began to receive some complaints in April about 13 anime episodes on, the Rus- on a Russian social network site. They evaluated the situation and brought in outside experts and declared that the anime in the hentai genre is child pornography, at least these specific episodes. Under last year's About Child Protection from Information Harming Their Health and Development Law, such material is therefore banned from hosts and service providers. When investigating the social networking site, the experts found 13 episodes portraying children ages 14 through 18 in pornographic scenes. They, quote, found no storyline and any cultural or historical value. So it looks like they will be cracking down in the future. In other news, the final episode of the current Date Alive television anime aired this past week and announced that a production on a second season has been greenlit. The original light novel series author Kuoshi Tachibano has also made the announcement. The story centers on an ordinary high school boy named Shiro Itsuka who meets a spirit girl who has been rejected by a, a devastated world. The girl who Shio names Toka. 
happens to have wiped out much of the humanity 13 years ago and now she is back. The only way to stop her, unsurprisingly, is to date her. And speaking of new anime, the official website for the Makenki anime announced that the second television season, Makenki 2, will premiere this winter. A new team of staff will be producing the anime, so if you didn't like the first one, perhaps this new staff can breathe good life into the second season. This was Chiaki, and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. And we're back with the 182nd episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, Chiaki is Dancing. So, we have a new segment to introduce to you today. And I think that the theme speaks for itself. So, why don't we just get started? Howdy, partner. I seen you riding in on that dusty trail. Welcome to the good, the bad, and the moe. Welcome to the good, the bad, and the moe. The segment where Mitsuki talks about current things in anime that represent the good, the bad, and of course the moe, the ugly. So, for the good, getting us started off is Microsoft's decision to go back on all of its policies regarding the Xbox One. I know that this isn't directly anime related, but it certainly is relevant to most of the people listening. Microsoft 180! Microsoft 180, yeah! So let's make policies as a Fortune 500 company near the top of the Fortune 500 and crumble under the weight of many gamers. So Crumble, crumble under the weight of Reddit. Of <laughs> That's Reddit. what that means. So basically, Microsoft reveals itself to not have a very strong resolve and probably a lot of fear of financial loss. But it's good for all of us because many people that wanted to buy the Xbox now feel like they can, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a victory for gamers. But you know what? PS4 all the way! Don't go with Microsoft! Yeah, don't care about Microsoft. I went Microsoft this last generation, and I've had a lot of fun with my, my Xbox 360. But it's time to go back to Sony. Also, a a small addition to, to the good for this week is Cram's facial hair. So, thank you. I actually shaved today. Shaved this this top parts and then this <laughs> neck parts and face parts, so that this would be more outstanding. Also, also probably uh, Kimiko's smile, even though I can't see it. Aw, you're the best, Mitsuki. Okay, so moving us on to the bad. <laughs> the bad for this week is Suise no Gargantia. Congratulations, you are the bad. Are you going to piss someone off with this? No, probably not. Okay. A series that started off with a great beginning slips into storytelling hell. Uh, the first three episodes were quite promising and o- offered something that was beautiful to watch and had a lot of potential for a story that was interesting and lovable because of the characters were great. But... This it ends up being a show that is chock full of wasted filler and festival episodes and a plotline that is delivered in a literal 12-minute information dump around episode 9. So, 
Of course. It's, uh, you know, kind of, kind of great. Love it. And for the ugly, the summer anime lineup, which we will get to next week. So be, be prepared for the summer anime lineup that has no fewer than 12 sequels. 12 sequels. And of the original shows, there are an extraordinarily large amount of them that look to be pure moe and school anime. You can probably hmm. count on one hand the, origin, the shows that are not sequels that look like they're meant for adults. So look forward to the summer season, which we will cover in the next episode. Tiaki just showed me a picture of Napa. <laughs> just pointed to me. Thanks. Yeah. Actually, uh, we were we were talking about this the other night. Um, you look just like Napa. The the possibility. It's of, intense, man. Of Mitsugi and I being Vegeta and Napa for Halloween. It. it <laughs> oh my god! Would work please. Because you have the facial hair and, and, and you have the I'll facial just, hair I'll just and shave the look. This. I'll just shave this down. Like I would be happy to go with the Fu Manchu for you know, it, a little while. If you went down to handlebar mustache, mm. you would definitely have like a Napa face. <laughs> And and the G- you, your your body types are appropriate proportions to each other. Yeah, I mean, like it, when Napa stands next to Vegeta, Vegeta looks like a five year old child, right? And, and 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 you're much taller and larger than I am. That's and, true. And, and and I also have somewhat of a receding hairline, like like Vegeta has. You just need to grow your so hair out and spike it up. If, if, oh if I grew God, it out dude. long and just spiked it up, and I think I think it would be strikingly strikingly good. It could be. It awesome. could be good. You gotta be. You gotta be lunch. Oh, you could be Launch, I but why is Launch hanging out with Nappa and Vegeta? I don't know. She has beautiful blonde hair. She's crazy, though. Launch is mother freaking you are, crazy. <laughs> you are a crazy bitch, Chiaki. Oh. Aww. Aww. Anyway, let's start fighting. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Let me, get my, let me get my notes open so I can defend myself. I've got, I've got my notes open. I'm ready. Oh, we've all got notes. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Well, I, I, I at least I at least go into this with the solace that I know that Cram is alone. Okay. <laughs> so we'll this, see. We'll see. I've got the chat. Maybe the chat will back me up. <laughs> so all right. So th- this is a this is an argument slash review on the film Kota no no Niwa, which is a new anime film that that just came out from that was written, produced, screenplay, voice, music, whatever, everything by uh, Makoto Shinkai. Actually, that's not true. He has he has a much bigger staff now than he used to, but it's it's mostly his baby again. So, Kotonoha no Niwa or the Garden of Words. My my general thoughts on the movie. Oh, let's do this in some kind of okay. order. Right. Do you want to do you want to do a summary? Yeah, yeah. I, and th- I think I think in order to do this review correctly, we're gonna have to spoil the one reveal, if if, if you can even call it that, in the film. Though they kind of, he foreshadows it a bit. Yeah. You kind of know something's going on. That's true. But just to be fair, just to be safe, this might be a little spoilery, so. Yeah. Well, it's only 45 minutes, so seriously, if if you have not watched it yet and you think this is something you will want to watch and spoilers will make a difference for you, just pause this episode, go and watch it, and then listen again. Yep. Um, let's, Kimiko, you, you watched it. Would you like to give us a summary? Um, <laughs> if that's a no, can, that's okay. <laughs> I can try. It's just it, it was it was a little convoluted to me ish. Like I don't quite know how. Like I can give you a kind of brief sort of idea of what I think the summary is, if that's what you want. Just a plot summary. <laughs> okay. Um, 
It's about this kid from high school who likes to make shoes. And that's he, a good start. Yep. Yes. <laughs> good. <laughs> he occasionally skips school when it's raining and goes to this park where he meets this woman who drinks beer and eats chocolate. And she seems older than he is. And they sort of form a kind of relationship, sort of. Like, not like actual relationship, but like they sort of grow as like two human beings who see each other all the time and skip school and work to go and hang out with each other. Does that work? <laughs> I, I like it. Yeah, that's very, yeah, that's the basic idea. They yeah, they hang out, okay. they talk, and uh, fall in love. Fall in love, <laughs> and the yeah, the 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 spoilery part that I think I I feel has to get out there right now is whoa whoa whoa. I think it we have to say it because I'm going to be talking about this stuff and all right and, no, all right. Let's just say that this review is going to be loaded. With pretty much every possible thing that you could know about yes. the movie. Yes. So if you want to watch this movie, stop as, now. As I yeah. said, if yeah, you yeah. Chiaki, Chiaki already said this. So it turns out that she ends up being his teacher. She's been absent. She's taken a leave of absence from uh, his high school, and uh, she ends up being his teacher. And that causes. Well, she's not really you know, his teacher. Not his teacher, fairness, but she's, but a, she's teacher a teacher at teacher. his yes. school. Yeah. So yes, and she's twenty-seven, and he's fifteen. And that's ba- the ba- that's the story. But they love each other anyway. I'm in my 40s and she's just 16. Okay, so do you want do we want to add another layer onto the story? No, I mean maybe we don't need to. Okay, because I want to go into some of my thoughts. Go for it. What do you me. think? Well, first of all, I love the fact that the movie's shorter. Yes, I think that um, Miyazaki's films generally have a very simple story. Uh, that's that's the way his his stories have been traditionally. Although, if you think about it, a lot of his a lot of his his show, his movies that he's done kind of have the same general idea. There's like two people that kind of can't be together, but that you really want them to be. So like, you kind of like Shinkai's films, how they all are about the same thing. That's what I just said. Oh, I thought you said Miyazaki. Oh, maybe I did. Sorry. Oh, okay. So, you did. So basically, Voice of the Innocent Star. You got the guy on Earth. You got the girl that's out in space. They love each other, but they can't be together. Biosoku, you got the girl that lets in Tokyo and the guy that's like in the rural area and they can't be together for whatever reason because they're... Timing. Uh, their parents are moving. His parents are moving, I think. I can't remember. Um, and then you got this movie where the, it's the age that's the difference. So there's it's always a simple story and really we, the only movie that he that he's really made that was what I would call a full-length film was Hoshio Okodomo and that movie was, I hate to say it, very disappointing. And yeah, disclaimer: that is the only one of his films that I have not seen. Is the huh. you would tear it? You would you life. would destroy it, man. Okay. <laughs> actually, actually, every time I say that about Cram, he comes back and absolutely loves it. <laughs> I, I hated. I'm should, unpredictable. <laughs> we, should, we should have a movie night because I do want to hear your thoughts on that movie. Okay, all right, I'll watch it. I I hated the new James Bond movie. Cram loves it. I I don't love it, but it's not like the worst thing ever. Okay, we're not talking okay. about James Bond. Okay, okay, <laughs> so. And so the length, I think, is appropriate. Also, I thought it was very fitting. And The only thing I will say with the length, though, is they did have a montage or two in there where I feel like if they had an extra 15 minutes and maybe rounded it out to more like a full hour, it, it could have given us a little more. It didn't, it didn't feel like it absolutely needed it, but I just sometimes I wish there were less montages and more actual scenes. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention up front is that, and I don't, I, this isn't really an argumentative point, but it's, it takes place during Tsuyu, the rainy season in yeah. Japan. 
and this Which happens to right be now. the rainy season in Japan right now. And it's been rainy as fuck. <laughs> so I think that they really cleverly released the movie at, at a time that's that's probably intentional. Sort of nostalgic for Japanese people. Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. And again, it's a Shinkai film, so of course it's about nostalgia. Also, the, also the movie starts and is sort of themed around a Tonka poem, which I'm a sucker for. And hmm. the Tonka poem reads, I, I have it written down here, Narukami no skoshi toyomite, sashi kumori, ame mo furan ka, kimi o todomemu. And it's kind of old language, I think, but it means a faint clap of thunder, clouded skies, perhaps rain comes. If so, will you stay here with me? And I'm just a sucker for, for that literary crap. Cram's looking at me like I'm nuts. You, you, you don't like Tonka? No, I do. They're I do. so deeply rooted in, I do. in, in like... I do. It's fine. It just feels... I mean... The, one, of my, one of my problems with this film is that it feels self-important. And I don't, th- I, and I think that, you know, quoting old literature, you know, your characters quoting old literature to each other makes it a lot worse. But she even you know? said, she even there said was a reason was, for it. Yeah, there's yeah, a, yeah, of course. I mean, of her course. Hint to him that oh, she was a right. literature get, teacher. Of course. The, the, of course. <laughs> I mean, that, I understand that there was a reason for it, but the film feeling as self-important as it kind of is, is not helped by this fact. I mean, it's it's not helped by this one element of her using that, regardless of the reason within the film. I mean, it, it's I don't know. It just, well, what else could they have done though? I mean, they well, they didn't have to do they didn't have to do it at all. I mean, well, she didn't have to hint that she was a literature teacher. She didn't have to do any of that. She didn't have to, but that was also the way that she set up. It was her hint, and it was also kind of the "Are you going to come back here when it's raining?" I mean, it. <laughs> I feel like it was appropriate to the indirectness that Japanese people have where it was kind of a come back here whenever it rains and I'll be here without because I could never see a a Japanese person saying yo you're gonna come around when it rains you want to hang out again but (laughs) but she but I mean even after that was the case okay they did say that outright like she did say that okay but you guys all right but you guys are missing the point the the point of the Tonka is, is the meaning it has relating to the movie and you had to you had to really look, and this is my own my, my own reading of the of the of the underlying purpose of the, of the poem. So it starts out with a, a faint clap of thunder, clouded skies, which I, in my opinion, is supposed to represent a turmoil-filled period in her life, and perhaps more her life than his life, because he's just a typical high school boy that's trying to find his way. But she has kind of really lost herself. Uh, her like her job and her relationship recently both fell apart. So, clap of thunder, clouded skies. You have you have re- re- representing her life, and then of course, rain comes. Will you stay with me? Is representing her her seeking some kind of a resolve and a comfort. To me, the movie is really about kind of drawing uh, this this kind of dichotomy between this young man who uh, is you know 15 years old. He likes to make shoes. And he hasn't really started his journey yet of life, so to speak. And then you've got this woman who has ostensibly already started her journey, who's been on it for a few years, and who's kind of stuck. It stops. Right. Her journey is... She, she's, she's failed in her journey so far. And the idea that he makes shoes, and he hasn't started his journey, and he's going to make her a pair of shoes, and very, she's stuck on hers. Important. It is. It's important. It, it is important symbolism. I think it's one of the more interesting things to come out of the film. But one of the, thing, one of the little things that irritates me about it is 
the antiquated nature of such a profession, shoemaking feels out of place in this world, I think. I, I think had it been a period piece, it would have fit, I mean, so unbelievably well that, I mean, I would have zero complaints about it. But I, I do think that, that symbolically it fits with the theme in a really uh, interesting way. I don't know. I don't think it's that antiquated to be... Because even his brother, even his brother kind of jokes, you know, the whole, well, you know kids and they have their, their fads and we'll see how long it lasts type of thing. And, and there are a lot of still... Couture, let's say, shoemakers. Well, it's not successful either. It, by the end of the movie, at the end, when they're kind of recapping the, like what happens later, it's pre- I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't actually become a shoemaker. Right. Well, I, there's, there's, it's 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 unclear. I, no, they don't say they don't well, say one way or the other. I, but but there's a reason why he makes shoes. Right. I want to I mean, get I want to get into the more direct meaning behind it. And get, I, I I think you've told me this before, and I don't go go ahead and say it. I don't think I agree. So with that, the no. shoes in the movie. Uh, contrary to Chiaki's joke, is not it is not about foot fetishism. <laughs> Although there is a lot of feet in the movie, but that's the, I have fetishist. I have a whole thing about uh, foot we'll, fetishism we'll, in this film. We'll get so, to it. Yeah. We'll get to it. Um, but they clearly the the bare feet in the movie clearly, clearly represent an unraveling of the, of the female character, the lead female character's stability in her personal life. He actually uses her foot as a model for the shoe that he's making. And I think this is all very symbolic of the stability that he's providing her in this difficult time. So it's as if he's sheathing her, sheathing her foot, providing protection and comfort and an ability to continue walking and to allow her to continue on with her life. And that's what shoes do to our feet. They protect us, let us walk, let us be mobile. And because he's a shoemaker, and in the movie he clearly provides comfort and protection for her um, during this point in her life where her job is collapsing and she just lost her boyfriend and she's getting ready to move because it's just her life in Tokyo has fallen apart and he's there to provide a comfort for her and the shoes are to, are to represent this comfort and there's a number of times um, she actually says in the movie a quote before I knew it I wasn't able to walk properly because of my job and other things um, and he says and his quote is that I decided I wanted to make shoes to help her get up and walk. He literally says that in the movie. Sure, I mean, and I, so I don't I think this is a very and actually not a very well and not a very hidden symbolism either. I think it's quite blatant. Yeah, I, I, but I think it has less to do about this idea of comforting her. I, I think this uh, image of comfort that you found in 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 the shoes, you know, the the symbolism of the shoes is not. I think it's pretty one-dimensional. Like, I think it pretty much goes as far as there to... I mean, it goes as far as what she says in the climax of the film, which we'll talk about later, and, you know, the links... I have that, I have that written down, too. The links that he goes to uh, at school when he confronts students about some, you know, some other things that have been, that have that have gone on. Um, it's a simple symbolism. Is that what you're saying? It, it only has it only has one layer. To, there's only one layer of the onion to peel off. I agree with that. Well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, I think I think the more poignant poignant thing is is what I've said prior to this was the uh, um, the idea of the you know getting stuck on your journey and not having that journey and and that being the reason that they're together in the first place that that being the reason that they've been able to create this connection at all is because well, he makes shoes, but he hasn't started his journey. She's stuck on hers, and she needs quote-unquote shoes you well, know you're, actually, you're you actually agreeing with me I think. yeah yeah i mean in a way i am but I, I i think you're seeing the wrong thing in it like like to me it's not about comfort it's not about support it's it's about 
about finding a means to connect to someone that you otherwise would not connect to because, well, I mean, why wouldn't you connect to a person like this? Without, well, without this, without this, uh, you know, facilitation. I really, I really don't think that that whether or not it's about him being comfort or comfort for her or not is mm. an important point. Right. Well, I, I mean, yeah. I, I think. I, I mean, yeah. because I, I think when I say he's providing her comfort and stability is sort of the same thing as you saying she's stuck on her journey and he's like he's providing, providing a, for her. Yeah, he's providing a means for that. But even more than you know him providing a means for her to continue her journey, it's it's facilitating a a path for them to connect to each other. Because otherwise they wouldn't be able to connect to each other in the way that they do because they're from two different generations. They're, they shouldn't be together the way that they're together and they shouldn't be de- developing this relationship, well, which is another you know, point that I wanted to get into is the taboo of the romance developing between a 27-year-old and a 15-year-old that they don't play really as a romance. Well, like I, it, I mean, I, I'm trying to trying to process what you're saying and I think that in the movie, it doesn't matter who he is. It's a stable person in her life to help her that she can kind of lean on. The, the shoes in the movie are, are frankly irrelevant. They're only there to provide a physical symbol of someone that's giving someone else a shoulder to lean on at a time when they need to have a shoulder. Right. It's uh, a conductor. It's a conductor for their relationship. <laughs> but anyway, like the, the thing, that, the thing that, that, that bothers me about their relationship the most is that the blossoming romance between a 15-year-old and a 27-year-old is played as cute and as innocent, and it completely ignores everything that makes such a taboo ripe for creating interesting drama. Okay, there's something subtly sexual about their relationship from the ver- from the get-go. But the scene where Takao measures her bare feet for the shoes he will make her brings ideas of foot fetishism right to the forefront of the audience's mind. I mean, the way it's played like in a montage with nice music, her standing no, on no, the no, bench no, no, with no, her no. bare feet. No, 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 no. Let's not get into the music Okay, yet. we'll get into the music <laughs> with, with music. <laughs> montage with music. Speaking of music, I'm going to play some. <laughs> her standing on a bench with her bare foot, you know, with him tracing it, you know, lightly with a pencil, that is so sexual. Like, it's, it's sexual imagery. There's no denying that it's sexual imagery. And that's as far as they go. But they, they want you to think that this is a sexual relationship, at least psychologically. You know, I thought it was the New York Jets head coach, Rex Ryan. <laughs> but they want you to feel that. Like, the filmmakers want you to feel that between them. And the fact that Yukino and Tak- is Takao's teacher comes as a significant reveal about halfway through the film. You know, Takao fights for her honor and even confesses his love to her, and despite all of that, it goes ignored and remains what it always was, which is, like, super, super vanilla. Like, it ignores... it, It establishes this relationship and ignores everything that's interesting about this kind of relationship. Everything. I I sort of do get tired of Shinkai's abandonment of his relationships. Like, he refuses. He has never had a relationship in his movies, like come to fruition mm-hmm. and so and so I, I I wish that they had sort of been together and explored the taboo a little more and actually made something out of I mean in Japan all right, first of all in Japan it's not even illegal it might be taboo but it's not illegal yeah but it's still taboo no. so, so it's taboo but less so than it would be in the west I think but the I sort of wanted to see them get together and have him help her get her life back on track in Tokyo. Maybe she finds another job. Her life mm-hmm. continues as normal. Blah, blah, blah. But instead, Shinkai just continues to have a really 
a really predictable ending to his movies because I knew that there was no way he was going to allow this to happen. That's just not, not him. But to be fair, I think to be fair to him and the way his movies typically end, this is has a far more upbeat ending than yes. any of his other films that I've seen. One of the things I want to jump back to is, is uh, the themes like Shinkai's work in general. I feel like all of his films can be reduced to like a simple fill in the blank. The new film by Makoto Shinkai, a nostalgic meditation on blank. And, I mean, this film is about loneliness, isolation, and regret. I mean, absolutely, because it's a Shinkai film. But I feel like the theme of all of his films is really can be boiled down to, boy, it sure sucks when things aren't perfect. <laughs> you know, it, it <laughs> just sucks when things aren't exactly the way that everything, you know, should be to make things great. So we're just going to dwell on this for a while and then end the movie. I mean, like, that's that's fine, but I don't think that's a narrative. That's... It's a meditation on a feeling. And that's, okay, that's fine. Like, maybe maybe his film should be art installations and not films, but, um, you know. Let's talk about the music. Yeah, let's talk about it. What do you think? Crap. Well, I like the Please ending. The ending. I like the ending theme, yeah. which I'm going to play right now. But that doesn't count. See, and that's exactly the opposite of how I feel. So, the, so, so why do you think the music is bad? I, I actually don't have any samples of the background music, but... As a person with with 22 years of piano under, under my belt, and you play piano too, and yeah. so does Kimiko. I do. Actually, Kimiko, Kimiko has a degree, so she knows more about this than either of us. <laughs> I, I think I found the music in the movie to be fitting, the background music, I mean, to be fitting, but utterly atonal and unmemorable. I mean, you could have had fitting music that was somewhat chaotic because that's what he's going for sure but you don't need to sound like you don't, you don't need to sound so amateur I mean the music was just it was just was, was non-melodic the whole, all the time it, just, it sounded like a seven-year-old child that happened to know the, the, like the key of D sharp and was just like <laughs> randomly slapping notes in D sharp that's what the music sounded like to me now the ending, honestly the ending theme is I, I think is catchy but, I mean, it is. You could have injected any pop song into the end, though. But honestly, um, I I don't think it was fitting at all. Just from the from the standpoint that when you're watching a movie or a show or anything, the score is not supposed to be so blatantly noticeable. It's not supposed to stick out like a sore thumb. It's supposed to kind of be subtle underneath it or add something. It's the sort of thing where you wouldn't notice it was there until it was gone. And every time the piano came in, which sounded like a crappy MIDI piano with no pedal, by the way, it was just awful. Uh, every time it came in, it was like, ooh, oh, oh, there's some, there's some things going on in the background there. Okay. It just, it had no flow and it had, it was very, I, I don't know, like it was very broken up. The transitions didn't really exist. And there was a lot of bouts of like, here's some piano, now here's some silence. Now here's some piano. Now here's some silence. I, and it just, it, it felt very awkward. And again, like you said, Mitsugi, very atonal, not a lot of dynamics, not a lot of really anything. There was one piece in the entire thing that I thought even sounded mildly attractive. And it was a piano strings piece towards the end when the whole confession thing was going on. And even then it was just, it was very, very mediocre. I, I gotta say, I agree. I mean, I hadn't even thought of the fact that that I that the music was so stuck out so much because I specifically remember thinking, "Wow, this music's awful." Every time they played it, 
Exactly. It was, and, and in, so, that it, in like, the fact everything you guys are saying is exactly the opposite of how I feel. Like, are to, you serious? To me, like <laughs> this is so crazy. Like you said before that it was fitting. I I agree that it's fitting, and I do only, agree. Only I in do that agree it's that chaotic, which is the setting do, for the movie. Right. I do agree that it's fitting, and I do agree that it's forgettable. But I think that the type of music that it is lends itself to being those things. What type of music is it though? It's okay. not pop, but rambling is that? To, a type well, no, of music? no. I think that the piano, like, like it's mostly piano music. I think it has a really improvisational quality to it that paints the atmosphere with broad emotional strokes. Okay, so unfortunately, like, like be, because of this, it seems chaotic. It feels chaotic. I get that. It doesn't seem to have any, you know, m memorable themes or melodies or anything like that because it just kind of is. And I get how that might seem amateurish, and it, I guess in some ways it, it might be amateurish. But to me, it creates a canvas for these emotions to be painted on that aren't tactless. It's not tactless, and it's not uh, forceful, it's not ham-handed. But the theme song that you guys apparently like so much... I don't love the theme song, I just think that it's a nice, catchy pop tune. I mean, like, oh, no, the song itself is fine, but where it's placed in the movie... Stands out more than any of the score at all. Dramatic, dramatic tension. Yeah, and it, and it, but the problem is, is that you know Daisuke Kashiwa did this score, okay, and I don't, I'm not familiar with his other work, but the pop song is cheesy, swelling, and emotional, and it's a pop ballad, and it erupts during the climax of the film, and does the exact opposite of what the composer's score attempted to do through the rest of the film. It, uh, it completely abandons subtle oral cues for a crass and tactless announcement of how the audience should be feeling. This is exactly the opposite of the music in the rest of the film. Do you like Dan DeBiosco 5 Centimeter? Or do you hate it for the same reasons? <sighs> I'd have to watch the end of it again. I don't know, it's been too long. I think I, I watched it when it first came out, and it's, I haven't seen it since. Because I feel like if, if you like the ending of Biosco... No, I, I mean, I don't like the ending of well, Biosco. I don't like that movie very much. Okay, well, if, if you did like, or you didn't mind the whole use of the, the song in that one, and you minded this one... Oh, no, 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 I didn't like that movie. <laughs> but I would, have to, I would have to see it again to see specifically. But, like, to me, it feels like... It feels like it, it's... It completely goes back on what the entire film established musically, and whether or not you guys think that's you know a good thing that they established, you know I would say that it is. It it does have kind of an improvis improvisational quality to it. It's it's emotional and broad, but the pop song, like I literally, I literally laughed out loud at the climax. Well, that's because you're a hater. It's, it's <laughs> good criticism, Mitsuki. <laughs> I actually have other criticisms. I don't. Think, I don't really think the music is is that is all that important. Uh, not to discuss. No, it's not it. terribly. Yeah. Not, not to know. discuss it for six minutes yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But I, I I just want to get to to a couple other things in the movie that I didn't like. The one of which was I didn't really like the the giant montage they had in the middle of the movie. Yeah. There's a two and a half minute long clip of passing time and the building of the relationship between the two characters, and I didn't think it was really needed at all. Mm. The I also thought it was highly unlikely that for more than a month in these frequent meetings, but he still doesn't know her name, her age, anything. I mean, I don't care if she's lying or, I mean, it doesn't matter if she's lying or not. I mean, if she's if she wants to lie, she would just lie about her age and her name and stuff. He knows but that she's older, though. Like, a really important part of the film is that, you know, he's he says that she represents all of the mystery of the world to him because she's older than him. I, I remember that. But 
you know, inversely, she says that she doesn't feel any any more intelligent than she did when she was 15 years old, which, you know, draws another kind of connection between the two of them. The other, the, other, the, the most important thing to me was not the ending itself, which, which I think you seem to dislike, but the abruptness of the ending. So you have this climax of the movie, and I don't fault the movie for the sudden blow-up of emotions that happened at the end. I, I thought it was kind of a nice release of tension that I thought was kind of building for the whole, for the whole span of the film. But I, fu- I fault the movie for, for how quickly it ended after the climax. There was literally one minute after the, after the climax of the movie. So, it, bam, they play the theme song. It plays for a minute. They hit the credits. They roll the theme song throughout the entire three, three minutes of the credits. And then there's like 20 seconds after the credits that kind of gives you like a feeling of what they're doing after the fact. And that was it. And I hate it when there's not any, when they don't take time for a proper resolution. Like, why place the climax so directly close to the end of the story and then give us no time to resolve our, our the way we feel about it? Yeah. And so I'm left like, it's like, bam, this huge explosion of emotion, and I'm wondering, does that mean they're going to be together or not? You know, because they're, mm. like, embracing and hugging, and she says, every morning I put on my suit to go to school, but I was scared I just couldn't go in that place you saved me. Which I think is which you're rolling your eyes at, but I think it's cheesy, what I think, man, it's I, cheesy. I, I found it to be a powerful line at the moment, but I, but rather than get, having, rather than being given time to think about it, to, to think about the scene or to wonder if they're going to be together or not, the movie just ends flat out. It just ended, and they they let us they let us realize our you know the conclusion through like a thirty second monologue and like a letter that she wrote him that has her name at the bottom, and. That's it. Oh, some people in the chat or on the forums at least will hate me for this, but yeah, there's internal monologue in this film that's totally unnecessary and shitty. So, deal with it. So, we've talked about the movie a lot. How about the thing that is good about it? It's beautiful. Gorgeous. Like, it's amazing to look at. Yeah, I forgot how beautiful they could be. His uh, his films like oh my god. I was reading a review about from of this movie and they said quite well that there is there is Shinkai and then there is everything else. <laughs> Even <laughs> I mean it's it's dude and the and the thing that's really cool about this to me like I feel like you can see his style developing over every single film because every film looks different than the film before right and the thing that really stands about stands out about this one to me is that he's totally abandoned like dark lines around characters yeah. I and like there was that. much less lens flare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well, less, 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 less. <laughs> not totally gone, but uh, I think Still it looks a lot really it. good, though. Like the characters pop out in a way that I don't think I've ever seen in an animated film ever. They almost glow. Yeah, his lights and what this man does with light and shadow should have an award. Like, should be awarded. Mm-hmm. Damn straight. So yeah, I mean, I even think it, it, it looks markedly, markedly better than even the stuff that. That then the Ghibli puts out, and I, I'm yeah. not saying the animation. Um, well, the animation is not better because they're it's both, it's yeah. both fantastic. But the art of this movie is more beautiful. I think that I, despite some lightly distracting CG elements, there are some in this movie that I was like, mm, kind of hit me in that bad place. But they weren't so bad. They weren't so bad. Um, the backgrounds are really really stunning. The attention to detail is like really crazy. Like the film is loaded with objects that are so unquestionably real like all of the backgrounds and everything like the like his room and the kitchen and all of the things like just like 
you know a lot of anime tend to do is that the the detail is really really an important factor like the things that we're seeing right now that i'm looking at right now are kind of amazing um but all of the colors are just like a couple of shades above reality which gives this kind of all too real world this strange surreality that's i love it don't you dare hate on no i'm not i'm not hating on it like it looks it like it's a real world but it it also looks kind of like a fantasy world. It's yeah. it's crazy. Okay, so I need to. That's the best thing about the movie. Guys. I, need, I, best I, thing. I I need to do my job and and, and rein us in here. I'm 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 done. Okay, good because sure. we need to give it a score and uh, wrap it up. So, please. Um, I guess I'll go first because I'm going to be the lowest. You know, I would say that when I. I have to preface this when I when I rate a film when I rate a series or something I rate it based on what it attempted to do what it it attempted to do as a piece of art and whether or not it succeeded in doing the things that it tried to do and I would say that this film ultimately did not succeed in those things so I have to give it two sexy feet out of five. Oh my what? god oh my god yep <laughs> Cram's the hardest. What? What? <laughs> Holy the crap! It failed hard. All it right. failed hard. I, I I thought the movie was sim- I thought the movie was very simple. I like the fact that he did a simple story. I think it's better suited for Shinkai. Thought it was beautiful. The music was bad, but I, the movie didn't even have that much music in it. So then maybe the, the six total minutes of music outside of the ending theme. Uh, I thought the symbol. I thought the symbolism was nice. I enjoyed the climax. Even though Cram didn't like the music, thought it was cheesy. Didn't like the climax either. <laughs> I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think if you compare it to other anime, it's it's head and shoulders above everything else that that's come out even remotely recently. I'll give it a four and a half out of five. Nice. I I really loved the film, Cram. I do see a lot of your points, but I don't think it was as bad as what what you make it out to me. Just my just just my opinion. No, that's fine. But I I can I can see where you were going with it. Um, I do love, as Mitsugi said, that he went back to a more realistic world because I think that just suits his style so much better than anything with a fantasy element. I'm going to give it four lens flares out of five because the music was was jarring for me to the point that I, I didn't focus on those scenes because I was too busy trying to find some kind of melody or, or harmony or something in the, in the music. And I, there are also a couple other things that in a film so short, I feel like you got to get a lot more right than he did. So I'm going to give it a four, four lens flares out of five. Give it, go with your heart, Kimiko. (laughs) I'm actually, I, I'm not going to pretend that like, I'm the best at picking out themes and symbols and that sort of thing. Like apparently cram and you guys, Chiaki like hardcore can do. Um, So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to compare it to all of the other Shinkai films in my own personal, you know, sort of score. And to me, it was, I think probably my second to least favorite of all of his. Um, So I'm going to give it even, even though it was still amazing, and I well, I did hate the music, but I'm still going to give it a uh, four. Yeah, yeah, a four random food unable to be tasted illnesses that never really get hit on out of five. It rounds up to a four out of five. So anyway, 
And I want to I want to make sure that I give mine. I'm going to go with P. Skelly's suggestion: four and a half sexy toes out of five. <laughs> she, she did. Have... I said sexy feet. I said two sexy feet out of five. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So I I, and to be I fair, think like, that yeah. I think that in the end at the end of the day I think that Cram, what you do is you're 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 trying to like compare this movie to perfection. Hmm. And if you take this, well, no, I if mean, you it's, reviewed, it's, uh, if you it's, reviewed it's every anime that came out like in like this current mm. season, the way that you reviewed this one, everything would get a one. Okay, because anime in general is absolute rubbish compared to this. Well, movie. like like I said, I I rate something based on what it attempts to do and what it what it succeeds at doing and how well it succeeds at that. So for uh, for example, last season I did um, Bakumatsu Gijin Dendoman and I gave it a three. Okay, I gave it a three out of five. I just gave this a two out of five. I think this is a better film than that is a, a series, mm-hmm. even though I g- just gave it a two. But I think that Bakumatsu is more successful at what it tries to do than this film is at, at, at it, what, what it tries to do. Jesus, I can't talk. I mean, the way that I think about it is that, like, this movie at, at, it's done. at, at four and a half is even an eon better than Titan, which everyone seems to just, like, be rubbing themselves all over about. So, I mean, just a, you know, four, four like out of PS, five is... P.S. Kelly, Citizen Kane, one out of five. <laughs> a, a, a Samurai 7, was there Samurai right? 7, zero out of five. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. So, this has been episode 182 of the Animatics Anonymous Podcast. You can find us at www.aaapodcast.com. We're on iTunes. Come subscribe so you can get all of our episodes. Feel free to download on 3G. So We've made our episodes of a size that you can do that which is convenient. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, so follow us on Twitter at, at, at aaapodcast.com. Um, or is it just a, at, a, at aaapodcast. And you can get all of our t- live pictures from Japan that we take and you know be, participate in the journey with us. The ending theme tonight is Yokan from the anime Red Data Girl by the artist Masumi Ito. Take care, everyone. And we'll see you later. We hope you enjoyed the argument. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. One out of five. Bye, guys.